I might pray before I start. Um, I'm talking about doubting, doubting Thomas tonight. Um, you all know Doubting Thomas, and I thought I knew Doubting Thomas, but I've done quite a bit of research on him over the last week or two. I think I've kind of fell in love with him a bit. <laughs> I have. I hope you love him a bit more yourselves tonight. It's funny, isn't it? Because there were 12 disciples, but we seem to concentrate on... It's made me think, obviously, researching Thomas... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there were others that went out, you know, and we never really spend a lot of time, um, or maybe you do, I certainly haven't spent a lot of time researching all the other disciples and where they went and landed and what they did. So I really enjoyed exploring Thomas's life. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that you... Um, Open our hearts, Lord God, and our eyes to the things of you, Lord Jesus. And as I talk tonight about one of your disciples, Lord God, that loved you, that served you, that went out on the mission field, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we would, each of us, be touched in our hearts by whatever it is that we need to hear from this story, Lord Jesus I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you for us gathering here tonight as community. Lord God, and I ask you to bless us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Isn't it interesting? When I prepare preaching, I do it on A4 sheets, and then I usually copy it into this little book so I look really professional. But tonight I didn't, and I've always wanted to preach and then chuck the pages away. <laughs> So who knows, I might do that. <laughs> we'll see how I go. <laughs> if it gets a bit, bit crowded up here, I'll do that. Okay. I think we've done a bit of a disservice to Thomas. Oh, well, that one will have to move that because one's hips are bigger than the space. <laughs> um, I think we've done a bit of a disservice to Thomas, calling him the doubting Thomas. Uh, I have reasons for that, which we will discover as I um, go on talking. It made me think about um, when we're, you know, I'm like Thomas, I suppose, myself. That's why I related to him. I'm, a, I'm not so much doubting, but I'm a questioner. Who else here questions things all the time? Yeah, a few of us. The other thing I am, if you take me to the library or I take myself to the library and I look along the library books, it doesn't matter what the title of the book is and what the name of the author is, I'm a visual person. So I have to take the book out, I have to look at the cover, see if I like the picture on the front, and then I have to flick through and see what size the writing is. Is it okay for me, the writing? And I might read some little bits of it and then I'll read the back of it. So for me, I'm a visual person. There's no way I can go along and just go looking for an author or a, a title. And I think that that's what Thomas was. I think Thomas had a personality that was visual, and he automatically said, thank you. Oh, oh I'll come closer to you. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thank God for Sarah. Let me tell you a little story. Um, I'm sure she won't mind. 
I ha have my doubts. We all have our doubts, don't we, about different things, different situations. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are doubts about, you know, whether the, I don't know, whether the, thing, the car's going to start today, you know, all the practical things that we can have doubts about. The other week I was with my daughter. Um, she went, who knows what a bush duff is? <laughs> they are a, um, a um, festival, right, a really hippie festival where there's lights flashing in the trees and oh, it's just amazing. If you saw them on, uh, online, they're just amazing. Anyway, my daughter loves bush duffs. So she goes to one that's called Rabbits Eat Lettuce up in Byron, near Byron, every year. And um, she was getting ready to go to this bush stuff, and I'm in my bedroom, and I'm listening to some music. Now, who has heard the new song by Ed Sheeran that's been changed into a worship song? I know some of you have. You know that perfect song that he has out at the moment? It's been made into a worship song, and it's absolutely beautiful. And so I had this playing, and Eden walked in. Her name's Eden. She's 22. She sat on my bed while I was just sitting in the armchair listening to this piece. And I um, said, isn't that beautiful, Eden? The words to this song are beautiful. And she goes, yes, Mum. They're fine. you yeah, lovely. Wasn't that much bothered. I'll have you know, Eden used to go to church. She went to church till she was about 13, and then she gave it all up. But... And I don't know where it came from, but I said to her something that we, I obviously shouldn't have said. I said to her, oh, I can't wait till you get serious with Jesus again. Wow, did she let me have it. She said to me, excuse me, Mom, Jesus and I are okay. And she's pointing to the side of the bed to the bed next to her. Jesus and I are okay. We're fine, thank you very much, she said. We talk heaps. We pray heaps. She said to me, he's even coming to the bush stuff with me. And I'm like, oh, I've and she was really not happy with me. She said to me, do you know how awful it sounds when you Christians do that? And she just really put me in my place. And I had said sorry to her. But that was my doubting coming through about God and how he relates to people and whether Eden's in or out, you know? And I, was, I felt chastised. I felt chastised. I thought, who am I to, um, to uh, measure how spiritual, where Eden's spiritual life is? I was judging her. And she certainly told me that um, it wasn't very nice. I knew that that came out when I was doing this study this week, out of my doubting Jesus, doubting Eden, just doubting the whole thing. And so that's, I'm just sharing there a little bit of how doubt can work its way out in our life. Can we put the first... Um, okay. So here's some information that I found out about Thomas. He was born in Galilee in the first century. He was thought to be a carpenter or a builder. 
one may presume why that that may be why he knew Jesus anyway. I don't think I can't think of any time in the scripture where it says he was on the beach and he, um, on the water and God went and got him and he wasn't a fisherman. We know that much. And when the disciples went out on mission, Thomas went to India. So that was interesting too because a lot of the disciples went in other directions but Thomas went to India. And, that's, and still today in India, can you move that up darling? Still today in India, there is a community called the St. Thomas Christians. He was a very successful missionary, if that's the word to use. 17,000 converts when he first went to India. So, you know, he loved the Lord, he knew the Lord, and he knew what he was about. So he died in 72 AD and he suffered a martyr's death in that he was speared to death by the king because the wives of the king had converted to um, Christianity and they weren't happy chappies. And so they got their spears out and he sent his soldiers out and they stabbed him, speared him to death. And that happened on St. Thomas Mount, which apparently is still there today. It's still a, um, it's still a um, pilgrimage place, apparently. and oh, I don't know quite why the Hindus and the Muslims go, but that's what it said on there, so I included it. But, and he was also known as their Tom, like Allah Thomas. They used to speak about him and they'd say, Allah Thomas, we've got Allah Thomas. So he was well loved over there too. Okay. Um, one of the interesting things I found out, some of you might know about this, but have you got that bit up, 1945? Can you put that up? Yeah, here we go. Read this. Some transcripts were found in a large stone jar in a cave that was excavated. They are thought to be the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, and other writings. From I never uh, was aware of that. I don't know how factual the Gospels are. They obviously weren't included in our Bible. That doesn't mean that they aren't, haven't got some truths in them. Certainly, the little bit I did look at were quotes that Jesus had made. They were just reworded slightly different. And I wonder if that wasn't the fact that he was in India, in a different culture, and, had to, and I'm just putting this out there, had to make the, the um, gospel fit for that culture. One wonders, just throwing that out there. Who knows? Anyway, I was really interested finding all this out about Thomas because how would you know it? You wouldn't. <laughs> so it was good. All right. Let's talk about doubting. Can you just go to the person next to you and talk about what does doubt mean for you? What is the meaning of the word doubt? Okay. Let's have some of the answers that you came up with, even if it's just different words. Anyone like to share? Don't rush. I think it could be like having hesitations about the reliability of something or about the truthfulness of something. Disbelieving something, what is true. 
And just something interesting, I was walking down one of the back lanes here in Port Kembla, um, near like the bakery and stuff, and I saw spray painted on a like a drain pipe the word doubt. And I thought like how bizarre that someone's taken a spray can and wrote the word doubt. And then on the wall to the left of it, it said doubt is in Port Kembla. And so... It's just when you think about what's going through someone's mind that they would actually write that on the wall rather than, you know, some other kind of profanities or something. Um, so just on that topic, being here in Port Kembla, just thought I would share that. Something, you know? So, yeah, well, was just talking here and realising some of us also know all the other, other friends have had a lot of doubts in themselves. I mean, when they were young Christians, really going through separations or trying to find the Lord, I suppose, wondering why life's so hard on them. And we quickly like to say, we've learned to search out the truth for us and all the person, you know, professional or even a counsellor or even see a doctor first or look in the Bible, confirm it there which we've had many times and I've seen it over the years and years about learning to get knowledge, knowledge in from Colossians and other parts of the Bible. Get power and knowledge in your lives. Why they say the read, Bob, then reread it, then reread it. Oh, wow. Did you hear Michael then talking about people that he's known a lot of people that have had doubt about themselves and their own life and why? Asking the why questions. Why has this happened to me? Why am I like this? I read, uh, I, I got a whole list of the meanings of the word doubt. It's a feeling of uncertainty, a lack of conviction, unsureness, indecision, hesitation, suspicion, confusion, Questioning and query, undecided, tentative, mistrust, waver, dithering and shilly-shallying. I thought I'd know that because that's English, to shilly-shally, to not know which way to go. I was actually, I found those words interesting because they didn't leave me totally feeling that doubt was total un belief. Would you agree with me? It's like there's a hesitation there. And, um, and so that was an interesting find for me. And, um, you know, I think, like I said before, maybe Thomas was a visual person. Maybe he needed to, um, to see with his own eyes. Maybe it was a simple thing as that. Who knows? Unless we were in, inside him. Body. Anyway, can we put the next picture up, please, Dan? Oh, okay. Can you go back a bit? Because I just, I just want to talk a little bit about that. It was interesting because in Luke, oh, I've got my papers back up. I told you I need to throw them in the air, didn't I? In Luke, 
24:41, it says, and about the same situation, Jesus had been and he appeared to the disciples on the same day that he'd risen, I think it says, and um, they were all locked in the room, of course, because they were all scared out of their wits. And he appears to them and he says, it says they, their joy was so great that they still could not believe it. And they stood there dumbfounded. So Thomas wasn't the only one that was a little bit, <laughs> is this for real, you know, like, wow. They were still, like, they still could not believe it, even though he was stood right in front of them. So there's some sense there of, is this for real? Plus the fact it just appeared through a wall. Yes, I think the door was locked. And he just came in through a wall. I mean, you'd be thinking, is this for real? Straight away. <laughs> So they questioned him. The other thing that I found in John 20, it says, in the morning of the same day, so same story, the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you, and he showed them his hands and his feet. So again, he... Um, he showed proof of who, who he was and what he'd been through. He showed them his hands and his feet. and he, uh, His hands and his side, sorry. The disciples are filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and again he said, peace be with you. So there would have been that uncertainty there for all of them, I suppose, I'm saying. At different times. There's a beautiful picture that I found. Can you put that picture up? You can see there where Jesus, in a sense, has, has honoured Thomas's vulnerability in not taking a hold of what he's heard from others straight away. And he's appeared to him. And he's given him the opportunity to actually touch the wounds of God. And that, that's a beautiful picture of that, I thought. The others are still having a look. <laughs> the others are still kind of having a little look there, aren't they? It's like, well, is this for real? Let's have a look. Not magic. Wonderful. Okay, let's just diverse a bit. I think that when Thomas said, I'll have to see the nails in his hands and his feet and I'll have to see the wound in his side before I'll believe, I think he was just being totally honest and coming from a place of total, this is who I am. This is who I am. I have to see to believe. And he put himself in an extremely vulnerable position. And that's what happens for us all when we are actually very truthful a lot of the time. 
we are put on ourselves in a very vulnerable position. And so, so, you know, I was thinking of some of the responses he could have made had his ego run away with him. Um, he could have said, yep, I've heard all about that. The women told me. Or he could have said, I've already seen him. <laughs> and had an attitude, couldn't he? Could have done any of these. I saw him before you lot. Could have said that, but he didn't. He just said what was in his heart. I'll have to see the wounds before I believe. And I love that about Thomas. I love that about Thomas. And that's what God calls us to be, vulnerable. To be honest. To say when we don't understand. To say when we doubt. To say when we're in indecision or confused. To say when we are wavering or faltering about something is just being real. And it's in those moments that God comes and is able to do his work, yes? It's in those moments in our lives when we have doubted that Jesus is able to come and do his work with us. And I, I just think that that's... Well, we know that that's God's compassion for us. That in our weakness, he will be strong. And I think there's a whole different side to this story, and that's it. That if we look at the story just that little bit deeper, that that's one of the messages that's coming to us about this. You, I know this is a big ask, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. Can you share with the person next to you when you've had doubts? If you can think of a time when you've had doubt yourself personally. Okay, let's come back together. I wasn't just talking about spiritual doubts, by the way. I was talking about doubt in general. <laughs> I'll say that now to you. <laughs> Do you need more time? I was saying I didn't mean spiritual doubts. I'm meaning doubt in general. All right, who'd like to share something? I know this is quite personal, isn't it? It's like, do I want to be real? <laughs> do I want to be vulnerable? Let me say this to you all. This is the best place to be vulnerable. Well, we are all the way from Melbourne. Although knowing Jesus and his power and authority, when we decided to travel here by car, the doubt came. Will we be able to go there? Will the car be all right? All these little things, it's not a, like a spiritual things you have to doubt. So every day we come across these things. So that doubt was coming into my, like, pressing me down rather, I can say. But together when my wife and my children, we prayed, Lord, 
yes, it's you who will take us through. So that doubt a little bit, until we reached here, stayed there. Uh, when we were when we were talking about it, we kind of all three of us kind of experienced a lot of doubt in ourselves at times and doubt. Um, uh, one story that I have is like when I first got saved, I believed, but then after a little while, I kind of went through a time where I was like, you know, did that really even happen? Is God really real? Did I imagine it? And so I kind of fell away from God for a time. And then God showed up really strong and I was like, all right, yeah, it's okay, you're real. And then since then, I don't think I've doubted so much in God, but we all agree that like it's at times you can really doubt in his goodness and just be like, I know he's real, but is he really good to me? I don't know. I, and I, I'll, I'll sit on the fence of doubt in that often. Anybody else? It just reminded me actually of a, um, a doubt, um, that thing about God and doubting. I'll tell you the story. It's a funny story, but it ends up beautiful. You don't mind me telling you another story, do you? <laughs> um, I've only, I think I told this little story to Luke Mears not that long ago, and I think I shared it when I was speaking at a YWAM um, when you did that um, t talk here, something, yeah, training. Sorry? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm 33. I was 33. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was 33. <laughs> uh, around 33, anyway. A couple of things had happened to me by then. One was I'd lost my first baby and I hadn't grieved properly. And the second thing was I had come back to the church after being away from church for a fair while. And um, so I was into, and I was Catholic, so I was into going to Mass, having the wafer. It was beautiful, I loved it, I still love it. I just love it. Um, and um, I remember um, two things happened for me. I used to go on retreats, still do go on a retreat. I went on a retreat with lifeliners and all those. There was a multitude of different denominations went on this retreat to Barrel. And so uh, one of the things that I had been doing up until that point was A, ignoring the fact that I was full of grief, and B, I wasn't so sure about God. And I used to say to him when I lay in bed at night, this is hilarious, can you just make that curtain move, God, and I'll believe in you. This is no word of a lie. This was me lying in the bed, looking at the window with the curtains hanging and going, just make it blow, just a bit, then I'll know you're real. How stupid was that? That's what I used to do. I used to lie there and want him to prove himself to me. So here I am on retreat. Two things happen on this retreat. One is I'm in a meeting and there's some music going, someone's playing their guitar, and I suddenly remembered this enormous, had this enormous pain come up in me about this baby that I'd lost. She was seven days old. I hadn't held her because she'd been in hospital. But I remember running out of the room, upstairs to my room, and it was a convent, so I was on my own in this little room, 
And uh, I remember feeling like God had placed her in my arms. And I remember rocking and sobbing and rocking and sobbing and rocking and sobbing. And all the grief from that experience just seemed to just come out at that time in that room. And I was exhausted after, of course. But I went down to the chapel. And um, I was in the chapel, I was exhausted, but I just wanted to say thank you to God because I knew in my heart what had happened. I knew that God had given me the opportunity to get rid of this awful pain and grief. And so I was kneeling. Um, I wish I had a kneeler. You know how they have kneelers in Catholic churches? I was a bit higher than the floor. I think I actually did this at knelt on the floor for YWAM. But I did this. I did this. I went down into this chapel. They had a clock on the wall that was ticking. Tick, tock. And it had one of them swinging things. You know, and you could hear it. And I was kneeling there on this kneeler. And I was saying, thank you, God. Um, I just was in awe of what had just happened. And um, I remember repenting. I remember saying, God, I am so sorry that I asked you to move them curtains. I am so sorry that I doubted you. I am so, so sorry. And the clock had disappeared. I didn't hear any ticking. I don't know how long I was there. But Jesus came and stood in front of me and I laid my head on his feet. Never, ever can anyone take that kind of experience away from me. I laid my head here. I don't know how long I was there, haven't a clue, until I heard the clock ticking again. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. A life-changing spiritual experience. All because... <laughs> I usually fall over at some point. All because I doubted and asked him to move the curtains. But isn't he gracious? Isn't he wonderful? Praise the Lord. The key to that was my repenting. That's what I reckon. Oh, someone else is going to get up and help me. You're a kind people. <laughs> Do you never get that treatment? <laughs> Cheryl? You never fall over, do you? <laughs> You're not like me. Yeah, I've put my Indian sandals on today for the, to honour Thomas and <laughs> my Indian. <laughs> and I'm tripping over all the time. Anyway, what a wonderful experience. We can all, God is there, right, right there. I don't know whether you'd call that a meditating, meditation that I'd fallen into or whether I was just so exhausted or whatever, but God came. Jesus, Jesus came. And it didn't matter that I'd asked him to move the curtain. 
He did a lot more than move a curtain, I can tell you. Actually, let me rest his head on his chest. How amazing is that? Your doubt, you can have the same experience, you know. I tell these stories and I think, this isn't just for me. God would stand in front of anybody who calls him and who he will respond to you in some way or other. We just have to have our eyes open, but mostly our hearts open to what he wants to do with our doubt. Our hearts open. Who's living with doubt today? Put your hand up. going to pray for people before we finish tonight. Just before I finish, I just want to um, read this was lovely little um, commentary on John. John's Gospel. And I just, just want you to close your eyes and listen. I might read this and it might not touch you at all. On the other hand, there might be a phrase or a word that God wants you to hear from this commentary. John reserves the doubt for a special scene. It is at a later Eucharist, eight days later. Thomas is the disciple who refuses to believe on the word of others. He demands his own personal experience of what they claim. And such is the fidelity of Jesus to Thomas that his demand is met and Jesus manifests his presence to him also. In an earlier scene, Thomas has asked the way. Here, he, he, he is shown the way. The way to come to faith in the risen Jesus is to be involved in practical ways, in practical love with the wounded ones of the world with whom Jesus has always identified. Their wounds are the wounds of Jesus. Compassionate love is the way to come to faith. There is a lot of Thomas thank God, in all of us. We hunger for life and we are not content to learn from others and conform to their pattern of behavior or expressions of wisdom. 
we sense that we have a right to experience life for ourselves. We sense that the ultimate journey, the spiritual journey, undertaken in response to a deep core within us, is a personal journey. Shared with others, but challenging each person to a free response decision. Jesus assured us that this is right and he shows us the way, the way of fidelity and loving, the way of compassion, for that is what God is really like. And we, like Thomas, will come to know that we are in the presence of the sacred when our whole being is moved to love in a creative, compassionate and faithful way. It is a lifelong journey. May we dare to undertake it and one day be able to say in recognition, my Lord and my God. He never hesitated when he had Jesus stood in front of him and Jesus had said, touch Thomas. And Thomas touched. His words straight away were, my Lord and my God. He never hesitated. We've talked about, I've talked about, um, Thomas's vulnerability at that point, that being real, saying what he needed to say at the time, Jesus honoring that, So when we get prayer tonight, let's be brave. You've, a fair few of you have put your hands up saying you've got doubt in your life today. Let's pray for one another and spend time praying for one another and asking Jesus to do whatever needs to be done to help us able to say, my Lord and my God. There'll be different issues for everyone, different worries, different doubts, different situations. But after prayer tonight, my Lord and my God, will be in that situation. He already is. Sometimes we just need reminding. We need prayer. We need each other. We need community. There was another lovely thing about Thomas was that God came and met him while he was in community. He was in the room with all the others. They were locked in the room in community. They knew what he'd said. And Jesus appeared again. And so, who put their hands up for prayer? Don't be shy, put them up again. Okay, have a look around those that haven't got their own hands up. You know, uh, you'll never have me not say this. I will always say this in this church, and I will always say this when I've got the mic. This 
church community is a loving, faithful, kind and honouring community. I've been in this community for many, many, many years. And I've been blessed by this community and you can be blessed by this community. So don't shy away from prayer today and about opening up and being totally honest and vulnerable about what it is you're doubting. Take the chance, take the risk and be loved. That's what you'll get. Amanda. Yes, dear. Um, I am going to take a, a chance and a risk because I actually I want to add something a little bit to what Linda said and it's a little bit of a different way of approaching doubt and maybe Linda would disagree and that, that's okay but when we're praying I don't necessarily think that God wants us to pray that in a way that comes across that doubt is a negative thing that doubt is something to get rid of, to push aside, to not be in. Because I think God embraces everything. And for anybody that, like I put my hand up, because doubt to me is a part of my faith. They're, they're, they're the opposite side of the same coin. There's nothing wrong with one. There's none, like one's not higher or better or worse than the other. They're just all the same. And I think part of how I have embrace that is just by doing that embracing doubt not praying god will you move the curtain god will you you know show up for me because the very fact that we're here like god 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 is with us jesus is our emmanuel god resides within us so whether we believe that or not that doesn't worry god that doesn't matter to god and his power and his presence is always at work in us whether we have that belief or not and doubt doesn't have to be viewed in a negative lens and something to try and get rid of, but to embrace it. I actually had hoped that that was the message I was going to, that was coming across. <laughs> but you said it better than I, Amanda. Um, you know, when I was saying that Thomas was vulnerable, it's okay. It's, I'm encouraging you to be real in your doubt. Just what Amanda's saying. Be real in your doubt. Thomas was real in his doubt and Jesus showed up. So be real in your doubt. Hold it. I'm sure there are people here that have been doubting about things for a long time. Who knows? Maybe you'll doubt forever about something. But Jesus is with us anyway. Thanks for that, Amanda. I appreciate it. Okay, let's pray for each other to finish. I think I um, might play a bit of music while that's happening. So um, have you got some there, Dan? Yeah. All right, have a look again. Put your hands up again. Sorry, third time lucky. <laughs> look around and move over to the person close to you who've got their hands up. There's two ladies at the back there. There's one there. Let them, let them tell their story as much as they want or as little. 
Have your heart and your ears open. And let's gift each other with a time of prayer.